Hi, Jay. Just wanted to drop you a line and say I've been listening to you and Andy having a chat. Really enjoyed the episode. I, I like the uh, sort of the relaxed Jay, the off-the-cuff discussions, and um, I think you and Andy had some good chemistry going on there. It, it was natural, like I say, really flowed well. And I've got nothing profound to say, just really enjoyed it. Well done, mate. If you say the real life ends up your days And you don't have time to play Well, midlife is the best time to start a new role-playing thing My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, Rescuers. This week's episode is about my sudden return to the fifth edition of Dungeons & Dragons, and, frankly, the pretty profound impact this has had on me over the past, I don't know, week and a half? I also want to take the time to share a whole bunch of great call-ins that I've received, most of which are in praise of episode 518, in which Andy Goodman and I shared a deep conversation about the fear and freedom of improvisation. You heard the legendary spike pit there at the top of the show, and there are follow-on calls from others in the community lined up. To be honest, I've had so many calls that I'm kind of beginning to lose track, which, honestly, is a wonderful place to get to. This podcast seems to have a life all of its own these days, with me just surrounded by a fantastic community of supporters and well-wishers. It's amazing to me that the show keeps on growing as far and as fast as it has. Thank you, all of you, listening to my ramblings and enthusiastically supporting my efforts. When I began, I never imagined I'd still be podcasting into 2020. When I began Season 5, I wanted to stretch myself, stretch out to 20 episodes and... Wow, that seemed like an impossible goal, and yet, well, here we are, just about. I have to admit, I do find it hard sometimes, but you guys keep me inspired. Before I dive into the episode proper, I wanted to ask a favour. Last week, following on from the amazing number of listeners to Andy's episode, he and I got talking, and Andy has been urging me to share the show across social media to try and raise the profile on what he keeps referring to as the awards-nominated podcast, Roleplay Rescue. Honestly, I've never been that comfortable with self-promotion, but I don't know, maybe it's because I'm British, maybe because I'm basically lazy, or perhaps it's just that I haven't yet fully understood the kind of how-to of it all. But what I do know is that as much as I might promote the podcast, the recommendations of what looks to be, I don't know, 250 or more regular listeners, that's going to go a lot further than me spamming a bunch of MeWe Facebook and Twitter feeds. That's not my style, and I'm not even on Instagram, Reddit, and well, any other platform really, so... Here's what I'm wondering. Is there a recent episode of the show that you particularly valued? If so, would you be willing to grab a link to that episode and post it onto one of your feeds with a brief word or two on why you enjoyed it? Because if you could do that, perhaps we can find a few more role players in need of a rescue and build this community, well, just a little further. What do you reckon? Anyway, enough of that. Let's dive into the first call and catch up on my experiences with Dungeons & Dragons. This is Season 5... Episode 20, Back to the 5th Edition. 
Hi, Chase Spencer here, and I really, really enjoyed your chat with Andy Goodman. In fact, um, I've not uh, got to the end of that episode yet, as I wanted to contact you about uh, what you were saying with the Grimsfort um, scenario with the zombies and the um, the drugs and how that was linked and how you kind of made that up on the fly from information that was given to you by the players. But what's interesting is initially I thought you were talking about the game uh, I was playing in, um, uh, the play-by-post game, and um, I thought, oh, wow, that idea came from us, really? And then when you referred to it coming from around the table, I realised that you'd played that scenario uh, with others previously. But what's equally interesting about that is that it still could have been us. I've got no idea whether, you know, it it was us. And that's the beauty of it, really. Um, The fact that players could be influencing a scenario in ways that they're completely unaware of and will probably never be aware of. that's the great thing about being uh, flexible and improvising and just, you know, taking cues from wherever. Uh, but yeah, really, really great conversation. And thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, and it just occurred to me, it may not have been explicit in what I was saying, but as a player, I wouldn't want to know that my suggestions were shaping the world. I want to explore that world through my character and if I wanted to have an influence beyond my character's actions within that world, well then I'd want to be the GM. You know, I hope that makes sense. Anyway, just finished listening to the whole episode and I want to say thank you to you and Andy Goodman for a really great discussion. Thanks very much. The Mighty Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall there from Keep Off the Borderlands. Thanks for calling in, man. It's really great to hear from you, and I really enjoyed what you had to say. Yeah, I, uh, I've got to be honest, I'm not entirely sure which came first, whether it was Friday, or now I think about it, whether it was you guys on Rollgate, but hey, does it really matter? It doesn't feel like it mattered too much to you, although it might have been cool if it was. You, I just really don't know, actually, now. It all blurs. <laughs> anyway, Spencer, I, I really enjoyed what you had to say there about what you want as a player, what input you want. You know, I thought that was brilliant. You know, I wonder if there are out there in the world many players who are actually just on the cusp of wanting to GM, but they're playing a game with a game master who lets them make those decisions in the world and kind of almost that that culture we've developed of you know inviting the players to contribute to our worlds more and more and it being more collaborative whilst by the way don't get me wrong here they're not at all a bad thing i just wonder sometimes if it's the thing that holds people back from finally taking the plunge and becoming a dungeon master or maybe i'm just mad but thanks, Spencer. Great to hear from you.
<laughs> right, okay. First thing I need to tell you is I've moved my studio. Uh, basically, I used to sit in the front room downstairs uh, on the dining room table with a laptop and a portable screen and a mic and my iPad. And uh, I used to get so much road noise. And I just managed basically to persuade uh, my wife that I could move upstairs. We've cleared out the old hobby room and I'm in with the rats, which is kind of wonderful. Except that as I'm sitting here recording right now, um, <laughs> bless him, one of the rats is sitting here eating and he's just staring at me while I record. Um, so hmm, I don't know if this is going to work, but we'll see. So if you hear chomping noises and clunking noises and things like that in the background, it's probably the rats. Anyway, let's stop whittering and get into the episode. <laughs> I usually work about a week ahead with recording and editing episodes of this podcast. When I began the show, I used to write a whole season of scripts and then just kind of do them week by week. It was about, I don't know, a three-week head start, something like that. Once the call-ins began, I, I found this meant I'd have to go back and re-edit an episode to add on the messages. And well, over time, I realised that I wanted the messages from listeners to be kind of more of an organic part of the process both to sprinkle the calls into the episodes but you know also to allow myself to respond creatively to what people have to say and well I don't know what's this got to do anything you're perhaps asking well nowadays I work week to week sometimes I have an hour or two in which I can sit down and draft out some ideas of an episode but other times I'm leaning heavily on the kindness of strangers I have introduced call-in heavy episodes to both honour you guys who take the time to drop me messages, but also to bail me out on a week in which I'm exhausted or low on inspiration. Like any good referee, I'm sometimes going to fall back onto the suggestions of the players. This week, turning up to my classroom at the end of Tuesday's busy day, I was confronted by a wonderful scene. If you listen to Dungeon Master's Diary number 28, which, if I'm honest, as I sit here recording, hasn't been created yet, which is kind of weird, right? But anyway, if you've heard that, you've heard the raw, in-the-moment version of this story. Six players arrived on that Tuesday, three girls and three lads, and three of those teenage students were newbies. They wanted to find out what Dungeons & Dragons was. They were actually responding to the new posters I had displayed around the school in a weird moment of random inspiration the week before the half-term holiday. I had reissued posters I created in 2015 with the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition logo, pictures of dragons, hydras and kind of other awesome monsters and an invitation to come and play. Six players, they were asking to play D&D and I had nothing prepped. We sat down. I went to the computer, I found a folder from 2015. It contains eight pre-generated D&D characters presented on a kind of custom character sheet. It's notable to me because it has pictures of the different die types along the bottom, which newbies find really handy. I forget where I found that form-fillable PDF, actually, but I, I only vaguely remember creating the heroes, and frankly, I think I stole the black-and-white outline pictures for the heroes from uh, ICRPG. But hey, serendipity. Actually, by the way, I'm a I'm a big believer in serendipity. Things coming together in an almost mystical way. Honestly, it felt like the universe reached down and just for a moment, I was in a state of flow. I sat down. They chose a hero and they named those heroes and I introduced the basic idea, beginning before the character sheets were even done printing, actually. With no rules, we visited a haunted basement and they started to answer that age-old, old, old question. What do you want to do? I took them into a forgotten tomb to stop a grave robber. 
they broke the seal on the old dwarven warrior's casket nonetheless, and one of them stole his magical great axe. Somehow along the way, we discovered that the axe was the source of great power, but also it carries a curse. Not that I think they've quite realised that the axe is cursed, but somehow, as dungeon master, I realised that the source of Firebeard's heroic power was somehow connected to that great axe. The three lads actually had to leave early due to parental pickups, and by the end, I was gaming in a unique experience for me. I was dungeon master for three teenage girls who were laughing, joking, speculating, questioning, exploring, and, well, having a good time. I've never had an all-girl table before, and I know that probably sounds terribly sexist, but, hey, it's just the way it is. And they were not just any old kind of students either those imaginative teen types you know they read manga they play computer games they love reading they watch way too many movies just like i do and well i realized i was listening in on their first experience with dnd and frankly it was glorious can we play some more sir that was the question we'd run out of time and it'd been a really good session of play and of course i said yes and i grabbed down the dnd essentials kit from the windowsill I said I'd be ready next week to play some more Dungeons and Dragons. And that's how it began. Hi Jay, it's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I'm listening to you and Andy and it's amazing. I am loving this episode. I've had so many thoughts as I've been listening. I'm not all the way through. But I want to make sure I mention this because this very strongly came to mind. Um, Andy was talking about the game Everybody is John or... Uh, something like that and I have never played that game but my husband Jeff runs uh he calls them indie games like you know uh, narrative or story style games who knows what label is right or wrong here I'm terrible at that my point is they're not you don't roll the dice for everything what you are rolling for is narrative control not the result of individual events most of the time and I will tell you what is amazing to me is when I went to a con and watched him just on the fly come up with stuff, I bet he could keep that game going a long time. I don't know if he would have been able to do that when he first started running that style of game, but I am really amazed at his creativity. That said, I'm also pretty sure it depends on the players. I know that even in our game that we play every Monday night, there are, gosh, let me think, one, two, three, four, five players, I think, including me, and then Jeff runs it, and, uh, you know, at different times, there's been one person missing here and there, or we have a different game, Monster of the Week, running for times when two people are gone or more, and I can tell you that the dynamic, even just when the players are different, is different. So, being new to all this, I just didn't realize, like, I don't realize what all impacts the outcome but it amazes me the way that his brain works because I think he's constantly thinking of what's possible but letting the players make the decisions it completely makes sense to me that it would feel really intimidating for someone who runs one style of game where the decisions are made by the dice and the options are pre-selected and the GM really does kind of drive where things go or prep things that will happen if people walk into a certain room as opposed to that person trying to go in and run a game where different people are going to get narrative control and who knows where they'll go 
some people go completely off the rails and at some point you might have to be willing to say hold on the story can't go that far you know like you can't have a ufo swoop in and suck everybody up right but it's pretty interesting to me um i mean when i think about it i that's just like two different things that's running two completely different things so anyway back to listening hey che Liren again i just heard you talking about how you think it has to be a challenge and things have to be hard and Andy said something about different types of players and I need to read up on that and see what he's talking about because I don't know offhand I know people have mentioned it before but I haven't looked it up anyways what I wonder is are you able to bend and flex according to what kind of players are around your table to make it not so hard if that isn't what they enjoy and if you do that does that make it not enjoyable for you I don't know. I've never run a game. I'm actually considering this year maybe tackling that. I don't know. We'll see. I make no promises. But Jeff wants me to do a podcast series about GMing my first game and how I decide what it will be and all of that. But we're not tackling that yet. Maybe after the house is built. (laughs) Hey, Che. You said that you think players should lay it on thick about letting their DMs know if they're enjoying a game. And, you know, I would also say that I think it gives other players a lot more permission to express themselves when everyone around the table is expressing themselves. Now, certainly I know different players have different levels of comfort with that, but oh my gosh, one of the things I love about the Monday night group is that everyone is very open about laughing and joking and being serious when they need to be. And, um, they, so I don't feel uncomfortable if I, express something or if my character does something that involves strong emotion of one type or another I don't feel any qualms about expressing it I think you know how important is it to have a table full of nice people right so I think I'm really lucky but anyway I just wanted to say other players need that too the amazing Liren there from updates in the middle of nowhere thank you Liren for calling in it is lovely when you call in you always have so much to say I mean five messages there or is it six I don't know. Um, Incredible. So much ground covered. And obviously Andy and I's conversation sparked something which that's that's what's so rewarding about doing this podcasting lark, you know. Anyway, thank you. Um, To answer a couple of questions, trying to remember because there were so many things you said. Uh, Yeah, I do adjust challenge sometimes. um, But I have to say there's only so much of that I can do. So I've got to kind of scale. Um, If I feel... (sighs) I think if they're beginners, I tend to kind of go easier. And I think it kind of scales up based on the sort of level of experience of the player. And also what I detect out of their enjoyment. So I tend to pitch to the middle to start. And then it kind of ramps up or down depending on how to react. And uh, that's something I do. Um, If it's not challenging enough, does that affect me? Not necessarily because the challenge I'm getting from the game at that point is in challenging them and in kind of you know spinning uh spinning along with them really um spinning that's an interesting word uh like the weavers i guess um anyway the last bit about uh being able to kind of um expect people to show emotion if we are showing emotion is so valuable and so true and i think yeah i've got this really grumpy natural kind of resting you know face and um i think it's really hard for me sometimes to 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 show people that i'm actually having a really good time and and when i do i notice that they they generally reciprocate you know 
I was talking about um, the guys on Tuesday night at the school, and it was it was great watching them laugh and, and chuckle away. It got me laughing and chuckling away, and it was kind of a whole wonderful circle. And it was the same uh, last night when I was gaming with the uh, Friday night gamers as well. Um, the guys were laughing and joking, and I was having a good giggle with them, and it was it was a lot of fun. Oh, one other thing. I remember you saying something about how, you know, if the players are kind of, maybe if there's an alien spaceship turns up and grabs them, uh, that wouldn't necessarily be the thing in a fantasy. Um, oops. <laughs> I may have done that, Liren. I may have done that. Anyway, thank you for the call in. I better get back to the episode. I so appreciate this call in stuff, though. Thank you. Rescue! The Dragon of Ice Spire Peak. That's the name of the adventure in the Dungeons and Dragons Essentials Kit. I'd previously flipped through it, you know. I'd even recorded a Patreon-only bonus episode, giving my verdict back about a month ago. In short, I had concluded it wasn't suitable for the school club. Because I was focused on running an open table, this adventure, well, it did seem too much of an ask. I've changed my mind. <laughs> I do that a lot if you haven't realised yet. I used to worry about that trait, but recently I've learned that it's kind of part of who I am. I changed my mind. It's not flakiness. I prefer to think of myself as ever-learning and adaptable. <laughs> How's that for an affirmation? I'm going to run the Dragon of Ice Spire Peak. I'm going to learn how to run Dungeons & Dragons rules as written. And I'm also determined to teach at least one teenage student that it's possible to become a dungeon master. But that's another story. The Dragon of Ice Spire Peak. This adventure has had a profound impact on the way in which I view Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition in the last few days. Previously, having played the playtest D&D Next materials and then bought in big into the game in 2014, I had become, well, a little jaded with it. A little bored of the loop of low-level play I'd experienced on Fridays and Saturdays over the Monday, last few years, really. I haven't really looked at the latest Dungeons & Dragons seriously for hmm, more than two years. On Wednesday, I read the first few pages of the Essentials Kit rulebook, and, and then I moved over to reading the first few pages of The Dragon of Ice by a Peak, and I loved it. The adventure is a sandbox, sort of. It has a bunch of adventure locations scattered across a hex map. There is, however, a central goal built around the journey of a bunch of ne'er-do-well starting adventurers finding a means to defeat a very powerful dragon who is threatening to drive all the good folk away from the region. It's a really classic setup, actually, and I love it. Here's the tool that I really, hugely enjoyed reading in that adventure. Let me read you something from the book. The job board outside the Townmaster's Hall is where the adventurers can learn about quests. Each quest is printed on a card, which you can give to the players when that quest becomes available. Let the players choose which quest to complete first, second and third, and so on. If the players don't like a particular quest, they are under no obligation to complete it. However, completing quests helps the characters become more powerful. When the characters first visit the job board, there are three quests posted. Give the players the cards for these quests so they can choose which to pursue. After the characters complete two starting quests, the following three quests are added to the job board. After the characters complete two follow-up quests, another three follow-up quests are added to the job board. 
How cool is that? Hey, Jay. Seville Jeff. Just was listening to your podcast with Andy Goodman and just got past the point where Andy was talking about the uh, time where he his players gave him a hard time, said they he railroaded them at the end and they took away, you know, he took away their play agency. And I'm going to call bull crap on that for them because they still had player agency. They did not have to take the artifact. They knew good and well that it was evil. You know, I can say that something's predetermined and that it is so much more powerful than you. Yes, you try it. Nope, it fails. Yes, it railroaded because that is part of life. Some things that happen, you cannot escape from. So for somebody to sit there and say, oh, you railroaded at the end. No, if I do the whole time, that's something maybe you can complain about. But if I've given you very clear indications that something is very bad and you've had freedom to do everything up to that point, and then yet, despite all warnings, you do something and you have no ability to affect the outcome, that's life. There's enough junk that goes on around us. There are things that happen that you, yes, I do this. Well, no, I'm sorry. That doesn't stop the volcano from erupting, but I can do this. Well, you can try that, but that still doesn't stop the volcano from erupting. I mean, bullcrap. You know, you know, those players just, they wanted to be able to do any and everything. But sometimes, some of us as GMs, we can set things up. Like, if you do it, take the consequences. Suck it up, buttercup. Evil Jeff. Minions of musings there. Uh, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> tell you what, why don't you tell us what you really think? <laughs> I love it that you call in and I love it that you have such passion for the hobby and I especially love it that you're playing Dungeons of Thal with us right now but I think I'm going to let Andy Goodman call back in and tell us if he agrees with you game on Jeff game on hey Jay uh, Minion here uh, beautiful morning uh, just thought I'd call to say uh, thank you to you and uh, Andy Goodman I was just listening to episode 518, Fear and uh, whatever it was, <laughs> I forget the name, but it was nice to hear the two of you um, uh, actually conversing with each other. I've, I caught a little bit of the exchange previously and it seems sometimes you were talking uh, uh, past each other, uh, but this time yeah, it was really, really intelligent and, uh, and uh, interesting. Um, um, conversation and you seem to agree on many points um, wow yeah uh, very eloquently put and uh, quite thought provoking so uh, thank you very much for that bye bye now H.A. Jason here just listened to your interview with Andy Goodman great interview you guys brought up some great points I'm glad you're trying to embrace the whole emergent storytelling thing it's a very exciting way to GM and it's very fun um yeah, but overall, it was a wonderful conversation. Really enjoyed listening to it. So keep it up. Talk to you later. Something inside me has changed. And it's, um, I think it's allowed me to return to Dungeons and Dragons with fresh eyes. But what's happened? To begin, I want to give credit to Colin Spikepit Green, whom we heard at the top of the show, for his recent episodes revisiting Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. 
Colin has been sharing conversations with Sonny, his son, about preparations Colin is making to play D&D with his face-to-face group. In those chats, it transpired that teenage Sonny is drawn to D&D because of its relative complexity. If I'm getting this right, he likes the level of challenge that the game seems to offer, and he's also drawn to the art, the aesthetic, and the chunky hardback books. For me, this triggered memories of my own feelings around other, much older games, which, as a teenager, I too felt were suitably challenging for me to learn and play. Next, there was the reaction of the students at school to the posters and the Dungeons and Dragons brand. They showed up asking to play. How was I supposed to say no? Third, I had bought the starter set and the essentials kit before Christmas. Just prior to the break, I had decided that step one of decluttering my house was to take the starter sets off my gaming stacks and take them into school to put them on display. They are on the windowsills of the usual classroom that I inhabit, and on the last day of term, about a fortnight back, one lad had asked to borrow the D&D starter set and, I had later discovered, he has been running it at home for his mates. That's really cool. Along the way, I've been returning to my own roots in gaming. I'm running more games now than at any time I can remember. Friday night was the bi-weekly session in Dolmanwood, playtesting Gavin Norman's forthcoming player's guide and using the old-school essentials game. Saturday nights are my bi-weekly delve into the Dungeons of Thal, played with Steve Jackson Games' excellent dungeon fantasy role-playing game. And my recent deep dive back into 1977's classic Traveller from the Game Designers Workshop, well, that's yielded more than I expected. I'm setting up a game on Rollgate to run five or even maybe six, yeah, six players through the Imperial Fringe, with a view to a longer-term campaign in the Spinwood Marches. And now this. Tuesday night is Dungeons & Dragons at school. Again, because this is how I built the club in the first place back in 2015, when I first set this one up. We used to play D&D, and when we did, the club was bigger. There are two dungeon masters that I know of out there because of that club, and it has had a glorious past. 20, nearly 25 players at one point. My journey has brought me full circle. But I am changed. Like the classical hero, I've been away to foreign lands on a quest for, well, I don't know, something. But what I learned has brought me back changed. And it's that change that is allowing me to embrace the world's most popular role-playing game, with refreshed eyes. I don't know if this tale is of any value to you, dear listener, but I, I needed to get it off my chest. It's not about the rule book; It's about the adventure. I have found something inside that essentials box that has unlocked the road to teaching D&D to teenagers once again. And so this week, I have used the funds from the Patreon to buy another starter set. I've also purchased a bunch of accessories, mostly those lovely Gale Force 9 spell cards, monster cards, and, oh yeah, the magic item cards too. And plus, on top of that, I bought some polyhedral dice sets, because I love giving those away. And I made a couple of decisions. First of all, I'm offering the starter set to any student who wants to learn to become a dungeon master. I will coach them if they want support, but that box is theirs, if they will promise to run the adventure at the club for some friends. And second, I've decided to use the Patreon funds to buy new starter sets, dice and other D&D materials when they are needed. And thirdly, 
I have decided to offer to run the Dragon of Ike Spire Peak from start to finish. For me, this is a mastery goal. I want to learn how to run Dungeons & Dragons and to run it well. And I want to learn to present games that lean into the narrative engagement that is so clearly prevalent in the culture of that Dungeons & Dragons community right now. And I want to teach teenagers to love the hobby that I love. And that's my story of stepping back to the 5th edition. Tune into the Dungeon Master's Diary to hear, among other things, the ongoing tale of how this all turns out. But like I said, I'm really not sure why I'm telling you this, but it needed to be told. Let me know if it's any value to you, will you? Game on. Rescue! And that's about it for another week. That's episode 20. Is there going to be more? Well, I certainly hope so. What do you think? Is Roleplay Rescue doing what I set out to do? Am I helping to bring lapsed gamers back to the table? Is the show encouraging you to play games of imagination? And is it encouraging you to play them in a manner that suits you best? Is any of this useful? I don't know. What I do know is that I appreciate you listening. Thank you. If you enjoy what I do, will you do me a favour and share your favourite episode on social media? Will you call in and tell me what it is that you enjoy? I need your help to keep me inspired. Thank you today to all of the callers. And in no particular order, big thank you to Colin, Spike Pit Green, Evil Jeff, Jason Connolly, Liren, Menion, and Freethrall, aka Spencer. Thank you to the wonderful patrons who support Roleplay Rescue through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Your cash just funded my D&D at school. Your support keeps me going. Thank you. And if you're thinking about maybe wanting to support the show, please hop over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash RPGRescue. You can get involved for just $1 a month, you know. Anyway, let's see if we can keep building a community of discovery in which everyone can feel accepted. And on that note, I'm out of here. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again soon. Game on. <laughs>